Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of the Phantom Toll Booth. So yesterday, Milo, Talk, and the Humbug found themselves at this orchestra and they found out that this is the orchestra that as they play, they play all the color into the world. And um, Chroma, the um, conductor, kind of put Milo in charge of the orchestra while he took a nap because it was nighttime. So they're all just kind of listening and and Milo is um, curled up on the pages of tomorrow's music and he's waiting for dawn. So let's find out what happens to Milo and the rest of our gang at the orchestra. So this is chapter 11, Discord and Din. One by one, the hours passed, and at exactly 5.22, by Tok's very accurate clock, Milo carefully opened one eye, and in a moment, the other. Everything was still purple, dark blue, and black, yet scarcely a minute remained in the long, quiet night. He stretched lazily, rubbed his eyelids, scratched his head, and shivered once as a greeting to the early morning mist. "'I must wake Chroma for sunrise,' he said softly." Then, he suddenly wondered what it would be like to lead the orchestra and to color the whole world himself. The idea whirled through his thoughts until he quickly decided that since it couldn't be very difficult, and since they probably all knew what to do by themselves anyway, and since it did seem a shame to wake anyone so early, and since it might be his only chance to try, and since the musicians were already poised and ready, he would just for a little while. And so, as everyone slept peacefully on, Milo stood on his tiptoes, raised his arms slowly in front of him, and made the slightest movement possible with the index finger of his right hand. It was now 5.23 a.m. As if understanding his signal perfectly, a single piccolo played a single note and off in the east a solitary shaft of cool lemon light flicked across the sky. Milo smiled happily and then cautiously crooked his finger again. This time, two more piccolos and a flute joined in and three more rays of light danced lightly into view. Then with both hands, he made a great circular sweep in the air and watched with delight as all the musicians began to play at once. The cellos made the hills glow red and the leaves and grass were tipped with a soft pale green as the violins began their song. Only the bass fiddles rested as the entire orchestra washed the forest in color. Milo was overjoyed because they were all playing for him and just the way they should. Won't Chroma be surprised, he thought, signaling the musicians to stop. I'll wake him now. But instead of stopping, they continued to play even louder than before until each color became more brilliant than he thought possible. Milo shielded his eyes with one hand and waved the other desperately, but the colors continued to grow brighter and brighter and brighter until an even more curious thing began to happen. As Milo frantically conducted, the sky changed slowly from blue to tan, and then to a rich magenta red. Flurries of light green snow began to fall, and the leaves on the trees and the bushes turned to a vivid orange. 
All the flowers suddenly appeared black, and the gray rocks became a lovely soft chartreuse, and even peacefully sleeping talk changed from brown to a magnificent ultramarine. Nothing was the color it should have been, and yet the more he tried to straighten things out, the worse they became. I wish I hadn't started, he thought unhappily, as a pale blue blackbird flew by. There doesn't seem to be any way to stop them. He tried very hard to do everything just the way Chroma had done, but nothing worked. The musicians played on faster and faster, and the purple sun raced quickly across the sky. In less than a minute, it had set once more in the west, and then, without any pause, risen again in the east. The sky was now quite yellow, and the grass was a charming shade of lavender. Seven times the sun rose and almost as quickly disappeared as the colors kept changing. In just a few minutes, a whole week had gone by. At last, the exhausted Milo, afraid to call for help, on, on the verge of tears, dropped his hands to his sides. The orchestra stopped. The colors disappeared, and once again it was night. The time was 5.27 a.m. "'Wake up, everybody! Time for sunrise!' he shouted with relief and quickly jumped from the music stand. "'What a marvelous rest!' said Chroma, striding to the podium. "'I feel as though I'd slept for a week. "'My, my, I see we're a little late this morning. "'I'll have to cut my lunch an hour short by four minutes.' "'Oh, sorry. I'll have to cut my lunch hour short by four minutes.' He tapped for attention, and this time, the dawn proceeded perfectly. "'You did a fine job,' he said, patting Milo on the head. "'Someday I'll let you conduct the orchestra yourself.' Talk wagged his tail proudly, but Milo didn't say a word, and to this day, no one knows of the lost week, but the few people who happened to be awake at 5.23 on that very strange morning. "'We'd better get along,' said Talk whose alarm had begun to ring again, for there's still a long way to go. Chroma nodded a fond goodbye as they all started back through the forest, and in honor of the visit, he made all the wildflowers bloom in a breathtaking display. I'm sorry you can't stay longer, said Alec sadly. There's so much more to see in the forest of sight. Ah, uh, so now we know the name of that forest and explains why there were so many things in there. It's the forest of sight get it. But I suppose there's a lot to see everywhere, if only you keep your eyes open. They walked for a while, all silent in their thoughts, until they reached the car, and Alec drew a fine telescope from his shirt and handed it to Milo. Carry this with you on your journey, he said softly, for there is much worth noticing that often escapes the eye. The, through it, you can see everything from the tender moss in a sidewalk crack to the glow of the farthest star. And, most important of all, you can see things as they really are, not just as they seem to be. It's my gift to you. Milo placed the telescope carefully in the glove compartment and reached up to shake Alec by the hand. Then he stepped on the starter and, with his head full of strange new thoughts, drove out to the far end of the forest. The easy rolling countryside now stretched before them in a series of dips and rises that leaped up one side of each crest and slid gently down the other in a way that made stomachs laugh and faces frown. 
As they topped the brow of the highest hill, a deep valley appeared ahead. The road, finally making up its mind, plummeted down, as if anxious to renew acquaintance with the sparkling blue stream that flowed below. When they reached the floor of the valley, the wind grew stronger as it funneled through the rocks, and directly ahead, a bright-colored speck grew larger and larger. "'It looks like a wagon!' cried Milo excitedly. "'It is a wagon! A carnival wagon!' seconded Tok. And that's exactly what it was. Parked at the side of the road, painted bright red, and looking quite deserted. On its side, in enormous white letters, bordered in black, was the inscription... Cacophonus A. Discord, and below it in slightly smaller black letters bordered in white was Doctor of Dissonance. Perhaps if someone's at home, he might tell us how far we have to go, said Milo, parking next to the wagon. He tiptoed timidly up the three wooden steps to the door, tapped lightly, and leapt back in fright. For the moment he knocked, there was a terrible crash from inside the wagon that sounded as if a whole set of dishes had been dropped from the ceiling onto a hard stone floor. At the same time, the door flew open, and from the dark interior, a hoarse voice inquired, Have you heard a whole set of dishes dropped from the ceiling onto a hard stone floor? Milo, who had tumbled back off the steps, sat up quickly, while Talk and the Humbug rushed from the car to see what had happened. Well, have you? insisted the voice, which was so raspy that it made you want to clear your own throat. Not until just now, replied Milo, getting to his feet. Ha! I thought not, the voice said happily. Have you ever heard an ant wearing fur slippers walk across the thick wool carpet? And before they could answer, he went on in his strange croaking way. Well, don't just stand there in the cold. Come in, come in. It's lucky you happened by. None of you looks well. The faint glow of a ceiling lamp dimly illuminated the wagon as they cautiously stepped inside. Talk first, eager to defend against all dangers. Milo next, frightened but curious. And the humbug last, ready at any moment to run for his life. That's right, now let's have a look at you, he said. Very bad, very bad, a serious case. The dusty wagon was lined with shelves full of curious boxes and jars of a kind found in an old apothecary shop. It looked as though it hadn't been swept out in years. Bits and pieces of equipment lay strewn all over the floor, and at the rear was a heavy wooden table covered with books, bottles, and bric-a-brac. Um, bric-a-brac just means like random things, odds and ends, little, little things. Have you ever heard a blindfolded octopus unwrap a cellophane-covered bathtub? He inquired again, as the air was filled with a loud, crinkling, snapping sound. Sitting at the table, busily mixing and measuring, was the man who had invited them in. He was wearing a long white coat with a stethoscope around his neck and a small round mirror attached to his forehead. And only really noticeable thing about him were his tiny mustache and his enormous ears, each of which was fully as large as his head. Are you a doctor? asked Milo, trying to feel as well as possible. I am Cacophonous A. Discord, Doctor of Dissonance, roared the man. And as he spoke, several small explosions and a grinding crash 
were heard. We're going to stop there for today. We are halfway through chapter 11. So come back tomorrow to find out what in the world is going on with Cacophonous A Discord. See you then.